Welcome to the BakerCast. Warning, please keep out of reach of children and for use by adults 21 years of age and older. Sometimes I feel like I'm channeling energy and what I produce are the keys to the spaceship. We are the voice of the cannabis community. It's a cannabis revolution right now. Right. We're changing the world that we're living in and it starts with one butt at a time. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Episode number three. This is the Baker Cast on Hayes Radio. That's right. This may be one of my favorite episodes, undoubtedly, and I'll tell you why. We're going to start it off with, you couldn't have a better interview in regards to who really influences Jerome Baker. We have Jason Harris of Jerome Baker interviewing Bob Snodgrass himself. That's right, the Wizard of Glass. Bob Snodgrass, thank you for your snotty, that's right. And if you don't know about Bob Snodgrass, I want you to sit back and listen, stay tuned, stay baked, absorb this wonderful interview with Jason Harris and Bob Snodgrass. And of course, we're going to follow that up with some Grateful Dead, West LA fadeaway, Anaheim Stadium version, that's right, 726 in 1987. Stick around. Later in the show, we have a wonderful interview with another super influential artist and human to Jerome Baker Designs. That's Hans Zedek. Tune in to hear how many generations of glass blowing in Germany. That was from Champs Trade Show 2019. That's right. And later in the show, we're going to bring some, some positive vibes to you with the Kaya Project, followed by another influential glass blower to Jerome Baker that's right Roger Paramore I highly suggest if you see him instructing any classes definitely tune in to what Roger's doing one of the best in my opinion one of the best OGs out there and to finish off today's show we will blast you off with Spongo once upon a time in the sea of blissful awareness that's right here on the Baker Cast, the official Jerome Baker podcast on JeromeBaker.com, JeromeBaker.shop, our new website, BakerCast.com. Hear us here now on Hayes Radio in Los Angeles. Stay tuned, stay baked. Thank you for joining us. Okay, we have Bob Snodgrass on the phone. On a nice Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening in Eugene, Oregon. What was your background in glass blowing? Okay. Uh, should I go back before kindergarten when my mom called me her little artist? Or does <laughs> glass bubbles with that alcohol lamp from my Gilbert chemistry set count? <laughs> as far as you want to go. Our freshman year, we learned how to bend small millimeter rod and tubing in a Bunsen burner, and when the chemistry teacher left the room, we'd roast marshmallows on glass stirring rods. Where was this? Uh, Hartville, Ohio, way, way long ago. <laughs> so it has something to do with Dominic Labino? Oh, he was up in the other end of the state. He was up around uh, Toledo. Anyhow, uh, it was more like, uh, what was I doing when I really entered into glass as part of my life and uh, I guess I was working a straight day job and trying to find the artist inside. By night my wife and I had a candle factory in our uh, kitchen. We consigned and sold candles all over local stores. One Memorial Day Marie and I took off and hitchhiked down to Gatlinburg, Tennessee 
from Akron just to see how they made their candles. My day job was at a gasket and shim company, and some days I ran a punch press. Most days I was operating a large heat treatment unit. Wow. Fire. <laughs> Four by eight gas glass pit, that, uh, not glass, just gas pit that uh, heat copper rings in and anneal and uh, soften the copper for stretching. I also cast a lot of small lead pieces into brass laminates and ran a machinist surface die grinder. Some of the copper filings I made with that grinder were less than a hundred thousandths of an inch. Wow. Like liquid. Wow. But enough of those to my friend Chuck, who had been working part-time learning glass to blend into clear glass, thinking we were going to make something like Goldstone. Uh-huh. No Goldstone here. We did produce red glass rods. We were excited. We started to run out of propane. The color of the rod went from a opaque red to a transparent green. Wow. That was our first glass mystery. <laughs> we later learned that the chemistry of the flame went from reducing to oxidize and cause a violent swing in the copper and changing how the glass and copper bonded. This type of experimenting later led me to create a small palette of color that I would use as highlights on my glass. And that was probably what led me into it, was I went from working in a machine-type shop uh -huh. to working part-time with Chuck, and then from there. Was there like one revelation that happened that turned you, that, that you knew that it, you were gonna change careers and move into glass? When I first saw glass pipes, I'd been smoking herb about a year. I knew just what they were for. All kinds of joint holders, chillums, and several styles of pipe made a shiny, sparkly, clear glass. <laughs> I love it. I love it. In a basement shop window on North Hill in Akron, Ohio, and that was 1971, the sun was just at the right angle to let them shine in all their glory. Bumps and ridges of clear glass applied in 3D patterns sparkled back at me. Down the steps and in I went. A fellow with a beret was sitting at a torch working. He said he'd be with me in a minute. I asked him to wait. I wanted to see what he was up to. I introduced myself and said, he said most cats around here call him Chuck Murphy. I asked him if he wanted to smoke a doobie. Found out we had a lot in common. Soon I was stopping in the shop on my way home from my regular job. Had some of my candles on consignment in Chuck's shop. One day Chuck said, he was planning a wholesale trip to Youngstown, Ohio, and Pittsburgh, PA, and asked if I wanted to take my candles along. And then from there, it was like every weekend we were out, and uh, we had cities like Ann Arbor, Lansing, Detroit, Columbus, Dayton, Cincinnati, of course, Akron, Cleveland, Toledo, Kent, went to Parkersburg, West Virginia once, and all the way over to Washington, D.C., so we got around. Then Chuck said, you know where the shops are. How about you take the glass next time? <laughs> Wasn't very long. I came back with the biggest order Chuck had ever had. Next day I showed up. He said, orders like this aren't easy. And we walked into the shop. There were two torches set up. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But Chuck said to me when he lit my torch the first time, this is what my teacher said, fire burns and glass cuts. My introduction. 
Yeah, that's something you better take home, take to the bank with you. I want to I wanna go back here and I want to ask you more about you. We know you're a legend. You've taught, I, I don't know, what, thousands of people? I don't think I've gone that far. I've maybe demoed in front of thousands, but probably only a few hundred people have come to my studio or taken a class from me in uh, some other situation. I can speak for myself. I know it's kind of like a, a pilgrimage for a, a glass artist to get to you. So I'd imagine there's there's X amount of people that just come to you to get to get lessons, correct? It seems to be, yes, correct. So right now, there seems to be a, a big industry beyond you know the teaching and the students and all that stuff. There's the industry with the pipes. Um, there's a lot of politics around the industry. Is there anything that's annoying or frustrating to you within the glass industry? I don't really see it as a glass industry. I kind of see it more like the trade show industry that... Uh, the MMJ or the cannabis industry, correct? The smoke shop industry, yes, okay. has, has created us as an industry where I think we're still thousands of individual glass blowers and I guess there is an industry, and like I said, if it if it is an industry, it's the child of the sm of the smoke shop trade shows. Uh -huh. That industry to me isn't an industry. It's some working in co-op shops, small and large. Some working in workshop mills and never getting to experiment, cranking out product. Yep. Many just working in their own space, maybe with a friend or two, producing whatever they create a market for. Yep. <clears throat> let's see, Think, thinking about this, you know, let, let's, let's call it a, um, a, a, a movement or a, or a lifestyle or a, I don't know, whatever we're calling it, um, there's, it, now it's become global. There's Germans involved, Czechs, uh, Japanese, uh, South America, there's a lot of, of actual flame workers from all over the world now that, you know, you've touched in some way, shape, or form. Do you think the Americans are still the superior uh, uh, flame workers are pipe makers right now? Yeah, our American artist superior. I believe we are. Yes, we really are. <laughs> I've always believed in sharing information. Some of that openness rubbed off on the people in the field. Yep. Sometimes an openness or sharing of an idea helps create a larger idea. Don't you think? Yeah, I fully agree. Now there's glass shows and competitions in cities all around North America and traveling glass carnival, visiting shops and blowing glass. One of the big stops is here in Eugene, of course. And we have a glass school, several co-op studios that feature classes. We have Cornerstone Glass that hosts several events. We've got Glass Stock. This year, the ASGS is gonna be there. That's the Scientific Glass Blower Society. There's an annual convention for them, and they're going to do it here. And the famous DFO is going to happen. Yeah, there's a lot of really, really good American events for sure. So with all these events, we end up sharing a lot more. So one time I was at a world competition in Vegas. You were there. Uh, one team ran short of material. A competitor, yeah, a competitor gave the needed glass. I was sitting with Carl Ittig. Carl's a friend of ours. Fifth generation glass blowing lamp worker. Carl said, You'd never see that in Europe. 
<laughs> okay, now let's switch gears for a second out of the um, the competitiveness of the of the globe global artists and focus in on the American um, the laws. Has the fact that the the glass pipes are deemed illegal has that ever bothered you? Well, when it comes to legislation, that's not my job, of course. Of course, I've felt some kind of concern. I hope legislation catches up and leaves archaic laws off the books and uh, we, we move in a proper direction towards lining up with the cannabis legalities. And that kind of led into the, to that next question of it's, it is possible that, that pot may become legal, um, especially there in Oregon um, before glass pipes. We're, we're actually looking at Oregon um, um, going over and, and going ahead and becoming legal in November and um, glass pipes still would not be legal at that point. What, what, is there any thoughts on that? hope they treat it like the blue laws of back east because those, they just wait until their time runs out and take them off the books forever without having to go through legislation. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm hoping that's what happens. I have no idea. Okay, let's move over to the next subject of um, the uncolored glass, the scientific stuff. Um, this is becoming uh, a real popular movement right now since uh, since about 2005. Do, you know, do you do you do you recognize that? And uh, and what do you think about that? How it's all kind of switched? Yeah, um, it, it exists. Uh, uncolored movement resembles scientific apparatus, and that's where you work at a procedure to do the least distortion to a piece as possible so that you can produce the really clean lines and crisp appearance. Now, I'm kind of a flowers guy, and on that, I make pieces that are for that. I work glass, I make it multi-layered, I include layers of silver and gold, reduce it to a molten gob, work on the ed edge of out of control, and then restore the shape to something I'd like. Now, um, that's absolutely true, and that's what everybody loves about you most, man. So, um, you know, don't don't change a goddamn thing about you, about your style. I don't plan to change my style. It's a bit of trend. <laughs> okay, now I wanna I wanna ask you in, in terms of of glass blowing as a our glass as an artistic medium, in where where we are right now today. You are leveled with, you know, the Dale Chihulis or the um, or, or or the top guys in the world that touch glass. You are one of them. Do you feel that you have a stigma on your zone in that rainbow because you're the guy making the pipes made used for pot, or how do you feel about that? Stigmas come and go, and maybe one of these days there'll be road shows, and our stuff will be more popular than anything else out there. I don't know. I may have been sabotaged on one prestigious donation I gave when the flyer came to me. It came to the right address with my name spelled right on the envelope, but word said that uh, I'd made the donation. It said, Bob, a naughtiness. This <laughs> naughtiness, you know? What? What? Oh, that's awesome. A couple funny things, so... It'll just come and go, but it doesn't really hurt, you know, or interrupt. I'm, I'm not going to ever be a Chihuly. Chihuly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's talk about right now of, the, of the, the modern flock of pipe makers going on right now. 
Um, what are the what are the guys that that most impress you right now, or who are the guys that most impress you? Too many of them. It's like uh, an overwhelming question. I, I just got done looking at a bunch of pictures from things at Gas. That's overwhelming. There's. It, I, I think we've already became too big a field for anybody to say this is the coolest or this is the greatest right now unless somebody comes out with blasts that walks and talks for you. Uh, I, I don't have an answer who I, who I would imply. I, I think most of the good artists are on both coasts. Uh-huh. It seems like they gravitate towards that way. This Northwest seems to pull a lot more, though. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. From Bellingham down... Shoot, uh, Smoky Point down. I've I've been to studios and just really hard pressed to say what's the best or who's the best. It's it's everybody's got a little niche and there's a lot of beautiful work out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Be your own judge. I don't want to judge for somebody. If in this article, if you could pass on a good piece of advice, one good piece of advice to the entire smoking culture, that is reading this, what would you what would you try to pass on? Oh, tilt your pipe 90 degrees, light your lighter so the flint dust doesn't go in the bowl, flame goes straight up, turn the pipe sideways. That'd be a good one. As far as the artists and those that are starting out, I think lamp work is kind of like falling in love. And uh, if there's any beginners, I'd tell them to read a few books, take a couple classes from people they think are really good, and patience. Make quality work. Don't try to produce. Let it flow. Make a product that matches your skills, and your skills will improve. The more complicated pieces will come along. Uh, like playing a musical instrument, it's more practice, the better you get. At least you hope so. As far as an industry idea, I don't. I don't know. I still don't consider us an industry. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's a lot of people that are a lot more organized than I am, and of course they, they might have that business sense to consider it an industry. Uh-huh. I have, well, I have one more written question, and then I'm gonna have a question of my own, but the one written question was, um, what do you think your legacy is going to be after all this? Okay, here's a new word I heard on television. Cooperation. <laughs> is that a good one? I love it. I, I think that's how, how it goes. Uh, the more we cooperate, the more we compete, uh, the better we're going to produce things. So cooperation, that's my legacy. It seems like a good fit. Okay, so, so the question that I want to add is, um, I just wanted to explain to the, the readers, there was a story you told me years ago about why these pipes are coming out of you and maybe you're channeling them and maybe they could be used for the key to a um, spaceship. I did say that. I told you the story. <laughs> you want to give a quick little glimpse of it? I think you just said it all. Sometimes I feel like I'm channeling energy and what I produce are the keys to the spaceship. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's the coolest. Okay, so after stumbling on fuming, I researched and found no mention of it in any of the references that I could find. And... Uh, I was fuming and adding layers of clear glass and melting it down and building it up and melting it down and producing pictures with lines and dots and precious metals. And this new style produced beautiful effects. It's 
especially when you smoked at them and a dark, dark background got behind it, the light bounced back at you and appeared to change the color of the glass. I was truly impressed. I said to myself, this technique will raise a bar on lamp working. Uh -huh. And that's when I decided to learn all I could to teach. And over the years, I've taken classes on health and safety, equipment, even speech classes to better impart what I know of this field to whoever I'm teaching. And that's it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's compelling for sure. All right, Bob. I appreciate your time. And thank you, Jason. Be seeing you soon. All right, bro. We'll talk soon. Aloha. Thanks again. Yeah.
sit down with us. Thank you. So Hans, why don't you give us a, a brief introduction to our listeners and just uh, real quick, a little history about uh, what you do. Well, uh, what I do actually, I have a hot glass factory and a blow Venetian style glass, but I'm an educated lamp worker in Germany. Okay. And uh, 
I love your colored Pyrex. Now, you come from a, a family of glassblowers, uh, correct? Going back many generations. Yeah, this goes uh, back seven generations uh, to the former East Germany and... Uh, this is where the capital for the flame working was in Germany, a city called Lausha, mm -hmm. where my parents were born and okay. they went away when the communists took over the east part of Germany and started sure. the West German class mm -hmm. industry. Okay. And the town where I'm in, uh, it's, it's run, there's about 20,000 of us, it's like the mm -hmm. Corning of Europe. Okay. Very scientific, very Pyrex, and me with my artwork, I'm actually an exception in this town. Sure. So, um, coming from a family of glass blowers, how young were you when you first kind of started working with glass? You start with about 15, you got to go sure. to school. Oh, absolutely. This is a four-year glass blowing school. Four years. You get your diploma with 18 when you're skilled, mm -hmm. and then you can work as a professional scientific apparatus builder. And most of the time you get maybe a, an item that you, in my hometown, you, you make an item all your life. Sure. Right, you find that one thing that you really enjoy making or really good at making and just keep doing it? it, it is, yeah, well, some items are very interesting. Sure. Today I brought a buddy of mine from my hometown. He's having the largest machineries in mm -hmm. glass. These okay. Arnold laces, you know, sure. it, it can spin one meter tubing, three feet tubes. Okay. And they, for instance, make rotary distillation units and extraction units in the large industrial scale. Okay. Now, you actually helped uh, Jason Harris of Jerome Baker uh, find some of his equipment for the school you started with him. Well, I showed him a couple tricks from my town okay. and uh, brought some machineries to his factory. And uh, when Jerome Baker was running high, mm -hmm. we started Eugene Glass School together as a non-profit organization. Sure. And this gave me the chance to come over here and work. How long have you been uh, working as an educator? Well, I still learn. Sure, and, right. You know, you give away as much as you can. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure, um, you know, being an educator must be really nice, uh, showing a new generation of glass blowers uh, all these uh, amazing tricks. Um, you know, what, what advice do you have to kind of new, aspiring glass blowers that are just kind of starting out? I have a very big advice mm -hmm. use a foot pedal. Okay. Shut the fucking flame off sure. while you're not working in it. Okay. This saves you dollars because mm -hmm. oxygen and gas is expensive. No, absolutely. That's where they blow their money. Sure. And what are some of your favorite uh, aspects of blowing glass? Is it the process or like the finished product? Um, it's the process. That yeah. It's not the finished product. It's mm -hmm. the process to get there. Sure. Because I'm sure blowing glass, you're almost in like a zen-like state where you're just kind of in the moment, uh, trying to flow with the glass. That's what turns me on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's uh, quite a rush. It's, it's that honey liquid. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you can touch it. Yeah. Barehanded. You know. It's it's different than anything else. It's one of the cleanest materials in the world. Sure. It's harder than any rock. Right. It's harder than any steel. That's amazing. Just diamond is harder than glass. Sure. It's a wild stuff. I'm impressed what how many enthusiasm 
the young people show here and how many talent they bring. Oh, absolutely, this, yeah. This, this is blowing me away. Uh, what I also like here um, is now, especially at the Jerome Baker booth, mm -hmm. that I still see an old school pipe. Sure, no, absolutely. I don't want to call it a bomb, I want to call it a pipe. <laughs> right. With the sleeve and the slide, mm -hmm. you know, super. No, absolutely. That's very impressive to me. So if uh, so, people that might be interested in like the Eugene uh, Glass Point School, how long of a program is that? Oh, we run several programs still. We had banjo teaching. There's mm -hmm. another guy coming now. Ham is doing a big shop workshop. Okay. It, it's well worth calling them up, looking on their website. It's. I'm happy the Eugene Glass School is still there. Oh, absolutely. Got any uh, new exciting plans uh, for the future? Any projects you're currently working on? Yeah, I'm going to bring some lace and glass machinery to Las Vegas okay. for the Dream Factory. Oh, excellent. Try to help my friend a little bit. And we got to watch out. Seems like video kills the radio style <laughs> industry. Oh, absolutely. The USB charged. Now, you're still based out of uh, Germany and do have a shop there, correct? Yes, I have a retail store and... Uh, I have a lot of buyers coming there sure. um, because I live in a very beautiful touristic town. Sure. Where can they find that store in Germany? It's right there in the middle near Frankfurt. Okay. The town is called Wertheim. Nice. And where can they find you online? Uh, my domain is glaskunst.de. you find Hans Idig. You'll find it. All right. Excellent. For sure. Thank have you, have you, guys. Have you been enjoying your time here at Champs? Yes. I enjoy Las Vegas every time I come. Oh, I bet. And this is the 20th anniversary. How many champ shows have you been to? It's my first one in Las Vegas. I went to Atlantic City. All right. And uh, usually I attend uh, the, the, the Glass Art Society mm -hmm. meeting, the gas conferences around the world. And uh, we got to bring this over to Europe one day. No, absolutely. That's a fantastic the, idea. The champs in Amsterdam. There you go. Got to talk to Jeff here. Exactly, make that dream a reality. You can blow glass on the castle. I hold the laces up. Oh, there you go. It sounds like a, a winning idea right there. Yeah, we we live very close to the Arnold Company, and we mm -hmm. are good friends to them. And uh, if you ever in Germany, you got to hook me up. No, absolutely, without a doubt. Just want to thank you for taking the time to uh, sit down with us. Appreciate uh, it. And just uh, sharing some of your knowledge with us. Any thank any you. last words or anything else you want to say? Oh, love you guys. We definitely love your work as well. Uh, once again, thanks for sitting down with us, and I hope you enjoy the rest of this uh, champ show here in Las Vegas. Danke. Wunderbar. You are now listening to The Baker Cast on JeromeBaker.com.
adults 21 years of age and older. Sometimes I feel like I'm channeling energy and what I produce are the keys to the spaceship. We are the voice of the cannabis community. It's a cannabis revolution right now. Right. We're changing the world that we're living in and it starts with one butt at a time. Thank you for joining us. This is the very first episode of the Baker Cast live at Champs Trade Show Day Two. We're here with Roger Paramore. <laughs> okay, hey, how's so, it going? How you doing? I'm, it's all right. You were considered one of the OG glass blowers in the game here. I mean, <laughs> right? And yeah. we just heard that from Jason Harris. How did you get to know Jason? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh wow, Jason, and I go way back. Uh, we first met um, kind of through a friend of mine, David Willis. Um, Who's another, you know, lamp worker in that area. Sure. Uh, and they were good friends. And I was teaching at Bill Chuck Glass School. Okay. And uh, David said, oh, you ought to go down and see JBD, see the factory. Yeah, sure. And uh, meet Jason. And so that was in 1997, I think. Okay. And so we jumped in the car and ran down. And, uh, wow. you know, and then uh, the next time, next year or something, I was passing through. And uh, it's kind of a funny story because I stopped and they, I needed a space just to work for a day. And Jerome, you know, or uh, Jason said, sure, yeah. come on by, you know. Sure. And what I didn't realize was that me working there was going to turn into the entire factory shutting down, and I was doing a demo for <laughs> so, so here I was trying to make a piece for the Pilchuck auction, sure. you know. And, and so, anyway, I ended up doing a demo, and, and we've just kind of crossed paths through the years. Yeah. Know, so. What a beautiful story. That's well, fun, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, there's so many of them in this industry, you know. They're yeah. just cool stories. And so seeing the evolution of where glass has gotten today, I mean, we're seeing all these um, different companies that support cannabis. You know, when did you realize that it went to a whole different planet? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, let me preface that sure. with uh, something that happened yesterday. And when I walked in, sort of the first person... Uh, that I knew that I bumped into was Bob Snodgrass. Oh, wow. And we were just sort of walking around chatting and looking at stuff. And, and I asked Bob, I said, you know, when we started, could we ever have possibly conceived that it would turn into this, you know? Because we're both kind of, we're not connected, but we've known each other a long sure. time. Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so anyway, as a corollary to that, where it is now is, uh, for all intent and purposes, incomprehensible uh, how fast the industry has grown. And I'd like to put a dividing line that I think, um, for me, watching the watching the scene, uh, I think about five years ago was when it just turned that corner and uh, you know, give her the spurs and head off. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, uh, and now um, it seems to just be uh, developing by the day, you know, and coming to this show and, and just getting this, you know, a nice overview. Yeah. Uh, getting to see some buddies too. Yeah, you know, that, but, that's always nice. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, just getting a good overview, and uh, it's it's extraordinary, you know, and, absolutely. But I so, think about five years is what okay. I would say when it actually really just sure. you know. just a full force. Right. And we're based out of Denver, Colorado, yeah. and we've noticed since legalizing of cannabis there, the dab scene and the way that people use pieces to right. to, to dab their cannabis. True, you know. Do you think that that really propelled the glass scene in a whole different direction? Well, it's a natural division, of course. Okay. Uh, and I, if anything, I see a, a certain decrease in the in the flower uh, rigs because okay. dabbing seem, does seem to be more efficient. It's you know it's it's all calmer and everything. Um, but at the same time, there's a real hardy group that, that like flower. Yeah. You know, and they like the whole everything around. You know, the whole. Um, 
whatever it is. I can't think of the word, but anyway, the ritual. Yeah. The yeah. whole ritual around of it. Of packing um, a bong. It's, it's just, it's yeah. so much different. You know? It's it's just a different experience. And uh, it tends to be more, I mean, flower tends to be more past the pipe around. Yeah. Dad tends to be that one big mega hit. And then, yeah. then you know, it moves on. So there's some social part of that equation that has changed over I like time. Um, but I think it's just a natural progression uh, of a different way to administer a material. Sure. So with the uh, oil rigs, they go their way. The flower, some of them you can interchange. You know, do, you, do you dab? I'm not a dabber. No. Um, I'm really not. It, it just knocks my shit loose. I'm really a light rate, you know. And so, and plus, I'm one of the people who just likes that ritual. Of, I like know, that. It, it's just probably just old school there's know. there's nothing better than packing a bowl packing a bong with a good friend and having that experience even if it's just you and that person yeah yeah you know, uh, so it, it, it just like tends to be more of a social like passing a joint sure. you know, it tends yeah. to be more of a social interaction sure and so where can individuals find you i'm probably the most easy person to find sure. on the internet sure. uh, in terms of finding me physically that's a little bit different yeah you know? okay <laughs> i live yeah. out in the middle of nowhere you know? yeah well, that's cool. Uh, but yeah, uh, my website's uh, rogerparamore.com. Okay. Straight up, rogerparamore.com. Uh, my email is roger at rogerparamore.com. That is, that is easy to find. And uh, on Facebook, I've got uh, several pages. Uh, one is my personal page that I use for general communication. Uh, then I have an artist page that has a lot of images in my work. Um, and then I have uh, a page for... Uh, the Roger Paramore experience, which is when I jump in my truck and link up um, a tour of classes, cool. weekend classes and local workshops and stuff. So uh, every now and then I put a tour together where I actually tour the country. Cool. And uh, so that's the Roger Paramore experience. That's another place. And then Uncle Roger Abides uh, is for my hot sauce. Okay. My, my own brand of hot sauce. Oh, we have to try that. <laughs> I should have some with me, right? We have to try that on the Baker cast. But, so... But anyway, um, you know, so yeah, I'm easily found. Awesome. You know, thank you so much. It is just an honor to, to catch up with you, Roger, and to debut on the debut of the Baker cast here sure. of Champs Las Vegas Day 2. That was Roger Paramore.
All right. Thank you for listening to today's show. We want to thank Hayes Radio. We want to thank the Las Vegas Dream Factory. Follow them on Instagram. That's LV Dream Factory. Follow Jerome Baker. That's Jerome underscore Baker. And, of course, at BakerCast. Now, if you tuned in towards the end of the show, make sure to go back and listen to probably the most epic BakerCast interview we have. It's Jason Harris interviewing Bob Snodgrass himself. When you hear that clip of Bob Snodgrass in the beginning of our show... Sometimes I feel like I'm channeling energy and what I produce are the keys to the spaceship. Yeah, that's Bob Snodgrass. You know, we gave you a dose of The Grateful Dead, of course. A wonderful interview with Hans Zittick and Charles Watson. Champs Trade Show 2019, where we debuted the Baker cast, followed by the Kaya Project. Last interview of the show was Roger Paramore. As promised, we were going to blast you off the spangle. Grab your bong. Grab your lighter, and let's get baked. <laughs>